Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Zion on this beautiful Reformation Day. As always, it's a blessing to see you all, to worship with all of you. Uh, just a few things before we begin our worship. Remember to pick up your newsletters. They should be in your mailbox. Also, you'll notice in the bulletin there are still a few opportunities for worship assistance this coming year. Uh, but if you didn't sign up or you have a spot to sign up, please consider helping with worship as you're able. Are there other announcements, other concerns to bring before the congregation this morning? Yeah, Craig. Okay, Denise's sister Deb is having surgery. Okay. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, uh, prayers for the Jesse Steiner family. Um, he was a uh, fellow farmer and friend from Amish country in Holmes County. He died uh, Thursday from uh, COVID pneumonia. So, okay. Yeah, prayers for the family of Jesse Steiner. If there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we prepare to worship and listen to the prelude. I invite you to stand. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel. And bestow on the church your saving peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
The first reading is from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors, when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, or say to each other, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. The psalm is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Though its waters rage and foam, and though the mountains tremble with its tumult. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be shaken. God shall help it at the break of the day. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Behold the one who makes war to cease in all the world, who breaks the bow and shatters the sphere, and burns the shields with fire. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The second reading is from Romans. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was, it was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. But what law? By, what, by that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. The word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham, and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated, children. I invite you to come forward. Well, I happen to know you all talked about this in Sunday school, but today we are celebrating what day on the church calendar here this morning? Today is Reformation Day, right? And Reformation Day means a lot of things, but I think it means really one simple basic truth that we celebrate every Sunday, but that Reformation Day helps us remember more and more. Uh, I think I saw all of you trick-or-treating on Thursday, yeah. Um, and some of you are going again today, I heard. That's pretty cool. Trick-or-treating is cool. You know why? You get candy, right? But the thing is, the candy is free, right? You don't have to earn it. Like, you go to someone's house, you really don't have to earn the candy. Like, you don't have to go rake their leaves and then they give you candy, right? You don't have to pay for it, right? You don't hand them a dollar and then they hand you candy. You just show up, put your bag out there, and they'll give you candy. Now, I mean, I know we dress up and things, but honestly, if you just show up and put out your hand, someone's going to give you candy on trick-or-treat, right? Well. That's sort of what we celebrate on Reformation Day, right? We celebrate that our relationship to God, it's all a free gift, right? The forgiveness we get from God is completely free, right? We don't earn it. We don't have to go rake leaves for God, right? We don't have to pay God. We don't have to act good for God to forgive us. Rather, we simply show up and we trust in him and he forgives us. That's all. And that's the truth of what Reformation Day celebrates. That's the good news, the gospel, right? That God is doing everything for us. That we can't earn it, we don't earn it, we won't earn it. Or rather, God gives it to us as a free gift. And that's the good news that we preach. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gospel. That your forgiveness is free. That your forgiveness is free. Help us always to trust in you. Help us always to trust in you. And know your love. And know your love. Amen. Do you guys need more candy or should I just Yeah. Okay. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our gospel this morning is about freedom. It's about how we approach what we think it means to be free. While we so often miss the point that it's only in Christ that we have true freedom. So we often delude ourselves with the belief that freedom is really about having as many choices, as many options as possible. So for example, my wife and I have this experience in our own lives. I don't think it's unique to us. Maybe it is, but 
we'll decide to sit down on a couch and watch something on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever. And together we go through all the options, right? And there are so many choices, good choices, mediocre choices, bad choices. We just can't decide, right? We're paralyzed by choice. So we end up wasting 30 minutes trying to pick something. And then after 30 minutes, we just get frustrated and just say, all right, let's just go to bed. This isn't going to work. Right? And indeed, we have thousands of options to choose from. No one's forcing us to choose one over the other. We could choose anything we want. But it's all too much. And we choose nothing. Well, as modern people, we're confident that we're free because we have unlimited options. But we often find even though we have unlimited options, we're not really free at all. Right? There are dozens of things we might spend our Sunday morning doing. There are hundreds of things we might choose to study in school. There are countless communities we can choose to be a part of. Yet, do all of these options and choices lead us to a good life? We are free to choose to do whatever we want. We're free to be whoever we want. But are we really free? Many of us delude ourselves into thinking that, well, if we work long enough, we work hard enough, we save enough money, that'll buy us freedom. But then we miss the reality that we're not actually free because, well, we're spending our lives for something else. So many of us believe that we're free because we do what we want when we want. We're not rooted anywhere, but then we're lonely and we're depressed. And then we get worried about our mortgages, our retirements. We're overworked. We begin to get burnt out at our jobs. When we have free time, well, we're shuttling our children around or reacting to some post on Facebook or we're worried about the news and so on. And so there is a sort of freedom in all of that. There is a freedom in having unlimited choices. But there's also a problem, and it's a modern problem. We can choose to be whoever we want, but we choose so often without acting for what is good and what is true. But Jesus is telling us here in the gospel that true freedom only comes when we abide in his word. The world can only offer us shadows of what he has to offer us. The world can offer us millions of distractions. It can offer us endless ways to live our lives. And we will take the world up on those endless offers. But we'll find that we're never free until we're free in Christ. In our text, Jesus sneaks through the crowds. He shows himself at the temple. And he begins to loudly teach them. And everyone's amazed at what he says. And in our gospel, Jesus begins to talk directly to the ones who had believed in him. He tells them words that we're familiar with. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And his audience is both a little confused and a little offended. They say that, hey, we're already free. Or we're the descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves. Well, they're stretching the truth, and they know it. Throughout their history, we all know this, the Israelites were enslaved. They were slaves in Egypt. They were exiled in Babylon. They were occupied by Persians, Greeks, and then presently, in the New Testament, the Romans. The people in Israel have a long history of not being free, and everyone knows this. But they're deluded by a lie that somehow, by virtue of their ancestry, they are free. 
They think it's in their DNA. But in reality, they exist entirely at the whim of an empire that occupies them. But Jesus uses this political belief to turn the conversation with his audience to their sinfulness. He tells them, whoever commits this sin is a slave to sin. But whoever continues in the words of Christ will be free, because he will no longer be deluded by a false hope. Jesus is telling them that their hope should not be in the fact that they are Jewish. Rather, their hope should be that God has sent his son to give them abundant life. To them, freedom came from the fact that they were Jews. Just like for so many of us, freedom means that we have unlimited options to define ourselves. And that's the heart of the problem in this scene. Many of these people who believe because they saw Jesus doing great things initially, they'll walk away. They'll join in the conspiracy to seek and kill Jesus when they realize that the promised kingdom is not about the kind of freedom they're seeking. They want a Messiah, a king, who will rally behind their notions of freedom. One who will take up arms and beat away the Romans. They're looking for a Messiah that will tell them that because Abraham is their father, they're truly right with God. They're looking for a Messiah who will excite them with a message of triumph and worldly grandeur. They're looking for a Messiah who will confirm their prior assumptions. And Jesus is telling them, that they're merely slaves to sin. And the Jews who are arguing with Jesus, they're living a lie. They think they know what freedom is. They think they know what the truth is. But Jesus tells them they're far away from it. Like Jesus' audience in Jerusalem, we delude ourselves with false notions of freedom. And this is why Christianity is such a scandal in our times. Because Christianity says there's only true life and freedom in Christ. And so make no mistake about it here. When Jesus speaks about the truth, he's not just talking about some abstract principle. He's not just talking about a set of facts to memorize, some stats or data. Jesus, speaking of the truth, is speaking of himself. Jesus is the truth made flesh. And Jesus is the only one who can cut the chains of sin and make us free. Abiding in Jesus, remaining in him, obeying his word. Is that freedom? To the world, that's slavery. Just like the Jews in Jesus' time who cried out that they were free, even though the Romans had them in chains. Modern people believe they're free, though they're chained to lives dedicated to sin. Lives dedicated to the stuff of this world. Modern people are chained to the lives of the world's sexual ethic. Modern people are chained to the lies that politicians are a hope for a better world. That accumulating power and stuff is the answer to everything. The world, to the world, the cross of Christ, it's an emblem of oppression, not freedom. The cross represents a good teacher who's powerless against the powers of the world. And for the world, death on a cross is a problem to be avoided at all costs. And if that death is inevitable, then for the world, we must spend our lives enjoying as much stuff as possible, accumulating it all, accumulating power. But the death of Christ is our freedom. Because when we die with him, we're promised that we'll be raised with him. Christ has conquered the only threat that this world has against us, death. He has taken it, 
And he's assured us that new life is our future. And so you as baptized Christians are free from the chains of this world. You have died to this world and you've been given a new life and a new perspective. You've been given a life that rests in the goodness of Jesus. It's a life that rests in the fact that you are secure in the hands of a loving father. And no matter what the world and the devil throw at you, your identity is defined by Jesus. In our baptisms, we have died with him. And so in our gospel this morning, we're called to live lives not of delusion. We do not live our lives trying to pretend to be something we're not. Because the end is sure, and the end is Christ. All knees will bow at that name, because the name of Christ is truth. And so we rest in that truth and that truth alone. And that truth is none other than Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who receives from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Together let us pray for the Church of Christ and for all people according to their needs. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the comfort of the gospel restored to your church on earth through the work of faithful pastors and leaders during the Reformation. We praise you that by your rich grace we have come to the sure knowledge that we stand justified before you not by what we have done, but rather by faith in what your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, has done for us. We implore you, defend your church from all enemies of your word. Cause your eternal gospel to be proclaimed in our time to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And graciously preserve your truth for generations to come. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, make us truly your disciples. Keep us in your word. Free us from all errors, and make our homes and families peaceful. Preserve all parents and encourage them for their godly task that children would be brought up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Have mercy on our nation. Give us good and faithful rulers who will govern after your good pleasure. And bless our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael. Give us comfort and a right understanding of your rule in this, wor this world that we would not be deceived to think earthly powers will last forever, but let us have confidence in you alone. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers for the sick, the joyful, and those in any need, especially Kara, Tony, and Nancy, Maddox, Tom, Troy, Donald, Donna, Ray, Nancy, Dwight, John, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Carolyn, Deb, the family, and all of those who mourn the loss of Jesse. Answer their prayers, preserve them by your promises, and bring them safely to strength and health in you. Lord, in your mercy. You have given us the certainty of sins forgiven in your Son, set forth as the atonement for our sins by his blood to be received by faith. So lead us to eat and drink his holy body and precious blood in repentance and faith, now and always. Lord, in your mercy. Our Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us by your word out of darkness, of error, into the light of your truth. Mercifully help us to walk in that light. Guard us from error and false doctrine and grant that we do not become ungrateful and despise your word. But help us to receive it with all our heart and conduct our lives according to it and put our trust in your grace through the merits of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
invite you to share signs of peace. All right, at this time, as kids, noisy offering, right? Come forward for our noisy offering. Now we'll continue with the giving of our offering. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, 
and by his glorious resurrection open to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. We give you thanks, Father, through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, whom you sent in this end of ages to save and redeem us, to proclaim to us your will. He is your word, inseparable from you, through whom you created all things, and in whom you take delight. He is your word, sent from heaven to a virgin's womb. He there took on our nature and our lot, and was shown forth as your Son, born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. He, our Lord Jesus, fulfilled all your will, and won for you a holy people. He stretched out his hands in suffering in order to free from suffering those who trust you. He is the one who handed over to a death he freely accepted in order to destroy death, to break the bonds of the evil one, to crush hell underfoot, to give light to the righteous, to establish his covenant, and to show forth the resurrection, taking bread and giving thanks to you, said, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering then his death and resurrection, we take this bread and cup, giving you thanks that you have made us worthy to stand before you and to serve you as your priestly people. Send your spirit upon these gifts of your church. Gather into one all who share this bread and wine. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to establish our faith and truth, that we may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom you all glory and honor are yours. Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. And Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. A taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you, and in fervent love toward one another, for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.
in peace. Serve the Lord.